We've got a lot to do on a Friday drive. Trevor Lawrence threw passes for the final time as a Clemson Tiger this morning, so we'll talk about what his time in the ACC has meant shortly. But before we go there, Roy Williams said some things today that, if spoken by another coach in this state, I think you know who I'm talking about, I guarantee you it becomes the biggest story in all of sports. Double standard. Those are two words that will always be a part of the Duke-Carolina rivalry. Because back in 1984, Coach K accused ACC referees of holding Dean Smith to a different standard than other coaches in the league. He said there was a double standard in college basketball because as Carolina rallied to win a tight game, Dean got upset and slammed his hand against the scorer's table. But he did so in such a way that it was so forceful, it added 20 points to North Carolina's score on the scoreboard. Even though they took the points off, any other coach in the league would have gotten a technical foul and deserved it. But Dean Smith did not. So Dean, or Kay, he pointed it out after the game, and a few weeks later he got his first win against North Carolina, and the rivalry heated up. I think it came to a head between Dean and Kay, 1988 or 1989 in Charlotte, where they were shouting at each other literally at the Charlotte Coliseum back and forth with each other. I think about double standards today. This isn't North Carolina's fault, but there's a double standard, not in how games are officiated anymore, because Duke has earned just as much respect as Carolina now with Kay's legacy and how much success he's had. Maybe even more, you could argue. But there is a double standard in how Roy and Kay are covered in the media. I find this to be very interesting. Because I'll let you in on how the media business works. It's good for business when you have a villain. It's good for business in sports when you perpetuate national hate towards a player, a coach, or a program in Duke's case. We do it with the New England Patriots. We did it for forever, it seemed like, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Here's the best example I got for you. Deflategate. That was phony garbage science. I never thought it was a big deal at all. But Tom Brady got suspended four games, not because there was any validity in it. There wasn't. They actually ruled in court in favor of Tom. But then the next season, Tom still served the four-game suspension because in the appeal... The NFL just brought up the CBA and said, yeah, you gave Roger Goodell this type of power. If he wants to suspend you, he could suspend you four games. But deflate it, it was such a big deal about, oh, did he deflate footballs? Did he not? And I was reminded of this. Tom Brady faced uh, Pat Mahomes this past weekend. It's the second time they played in the playoffs. The first time, there was a story that you probably forgot because it didn't involve the Patriots potentially doing something wrong or nefarious. In the AFC Championship game back in 2019, Tom Brady had a laser pointer shot in his eye. You could see like a green laser pointer shooting at Tom Brady when he's at the line of scrimmage. Now, they investigated it. The NFL did. They didn't find much in it. But I guarantee you, if it was the other way around, if the Patriots won that game like they did, but then video surfaced of a laser pointer being shot at Patrick Mahomes, you know and I know there would be allegations left and right that the Patriots are cheats, they know this, and it would be the biggest story the entire offseason. The media perpetuates salaciousness. They perpetuate hate. There's a reason why, or not hate, but they perpetuate uh, polarity with programs. They do this. It's intentional. There's a reason why when you see Star Wars thrown out there. You know, the most popular Star Wars character is Darth Vader. We like villains in America. It makes things interesting. It drives up ratings. If Duke was in the same exact situation Carolina was in this week, where Coach K says, we're going to handle this internally, but we're going to play all our guys in our next game. We're not going to suspend them at all. After a game got postponed... Can you imagine what the news cycle would be? That's not enough by K. He's being held to a different standard. This is garbage. He is letting them off the hook. It'd be the biggest story. That's what's happened with North Carolina. They're caught on videotape, breaking rules, 
breaking health protocols. Miami flew to Chapel Hill. They couldn't play a game. It got postponed as a result of that video. But since it's Roy and it, since it's Carolina, and I'd argue since it, any other team not named Duke could probably get away with this, eh, well, they're just going to handle it internally. They're just going to handle it internally and they're going to play in the next game. That would not be the case with Duke and you know it. Let me be clear. I don't think there should be punishment handed to North Carolina players. I didn't have any issue with anything Roy had to say today. We'll play some of that sound in a second. I want to put that out there. But I'm consistent. If it was Kay or Roy or anybody else, I'd say the same exact thing. Or if it was Steve Forbes who's going to join us later, I'd say the same exact thing here. But the reason I know Duke would be treated differently is because when Grayson Allen got suspended a couple years ago, you remember this? Grayson Allen suspended indefinitely. He misses one game. Coach K, he also had to step away from the program due to either a family or a health concern at that time. When he came back, Grayson also came back too. And to everybody in the media and fans, oh, that's not enough. They let Grayson off the hook. Did Grayson Allen, did his actions ever lead to a game being postponed and a team having to fly somewhere just to turn around and fly back home? I don't think so. But... Would we have allowed Duke to handle that internally the way that North Carolina's being allowed to handle their business internally? Doesn't seem so. I remember there was national outrage with that. If Kay said exactly what Roy said today to a T, he'd be leading PTI and all of the shows. He'd be leading the Dan Patrick show. It'd be discussed at halftime of all the games tomorrow. You'd have Seth Greenberg and Alfonso Smith talking about, was it right for Coach K to say what Roy said? Let's play that sound. You be the judge. I love this from Roy. I enjoy Roy press conferences. I had no issue with what you're about to hear. But let's play it then assess. But it was not at a fraternity house. It was not on Franklin Street. It was within our group of players and managers, and a few, very few other people got involved. And uh, it's something, and I don't think uh, Jeff Lebo would mind me saying this. I told Jeff Lebo that our team did the same thing he did a 100 times, but there was nobody putting it on video. I was upset about it. I'm still upset about it. But let's not make it out like we charged the Capitol building or anything like that. That's not what it was. It was not a freestanding party at some fraternity house or in the middle of Franklin Street. And uh, I've handled it what I think is very appropriately. And like I say, if anybody wants to talk about anything else uh, regarding that, then just say so. And we'll all go eat a sausage biscuit or something like that. Great. By the way, I was one of those 15 faces he was talking about. I don't think he heard it in that sound, but he said, uh, if any of you 15 faces have something else to ask about this, I'm sorry. You could go eat a sausage biscuit. I was one of those there. I texted Jeff Lebo. I'd love to hear more of those UNC parties. I'd love to hear more about how you got down back when you were in Chapel Hill. Former swarm assistant. He said, uh, I'm not saying they didn't happen. I just don't recall. That's my legal answer. That's what Jeff had to say there. Let's not forget a month ago. Coach K became a national story. Leading ESPN Sports Center. it was at halftime of all the games, two days later being broke down by, by Fonz and Greenberg for simply asking a college student, asking a question, what his major was. That was deemed, oh, Coach K going way too far. Can you imagine? Again, I had no issue with what Roy said because you don't have to take everything literally. Could you imagine if Coach K said in the same instance, was dealing with the same instance that Roy's dealing with, and compared it to the in, uh, to, to the insurrection that happened a month ago at the Capitol? Goodness. I don't even want to ponder what the think pieces would be. But I think regardless of how much you might hate Duke, you know that I'm right here. I'm trying to be fair. There is a double standard for Roy and for K. There's a reason why when Jeff Capel says he doesn't feel comfortable playing college basketball in December 
And I take that quote verbatim and ask Kay about it a couple days later, and he pretty much says, I agree that nobody really reacted in a national sense to what Capel said, but it was nuclear, top story, breaking news when it came out of Kay's mouth. That's how these things work. There is a double standard. Not in how Carolina's officiated anymore versus Duke. Those two words are always going to be connected to this program, but that's where I stand on it. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro who wants in on the idea of double standards. Mark, if Coach K said what Roy did in the same exact scenario this week, how's it being covered? I think you're, I think you're half right about this. I'm, I'm, I'm hedging on this. And the reason why is because you're right that there's a double standard, but listen, when you're, when you're like the face of college basketball the way we do coaches, and he clearly is the face of college basketball as much as I hate that. Um, my, my issue is that he could have done exactly what Roy did anyway. And he, he, I don't think Coach K cares. I don't think he would have cared that if he wanted to punish someone internally. Does that make sense? I understand you, but I do realize – I think K has a little bit more self-awareness in that I, – I remember when he was given the answer he did when I asked him the question in December. I was kind of surprised how many times – he kept repeating, listen, I know I just got my butt beat. I know what people were going to say. And I'm thinking, surely people are going to have more grace than that. And they didn't. Nate Oates, chief among them from Alabama. Kay has a lot of self-awareness on these things. And Roy, I think, has more freedom to let it fly, uh, let it fly in these press conferences than Kay does. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. And I, I, listen, I remember a couple years back, you were in this room with me at, at a weight game. And I asked him the question about, uh, about scheduling and how this was his first true road game, and he and he editorialized it, and I get it. But at the same time, it's a fair question. It was something that was circulating nationally, and he tends to like to do this to kind of justify the things that Duke does. And I don't I don't begrudge him any of it. It's just there's not really a double standard when it comes to like his freedom of speech. That's my that's my point. Yeah, I got you. Thanks for the call, Mark. Have a great weekend. I want to shift things to Clemson football before the five things at five. This morning, Trevor Lawrence, he threw balls for the last time as a, as a Clemson Tiger. It was broadcast on three different TV networks, and he looked good. Shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, everybody's going to look good in shorts. He is going to be the number one overall pick, even though I did enjoy OC. Joe Brady was among the coaches in attendance. Urban was literally standing next to Dabo at the snap point throughout the workout. So we all know the deal. It was cool to see 89 there as well. But I put this question out there, and I want to discuss it a bit. Is Trevor, if you start looking at his legacy, is Trevor the greatest college football quarterback to never win the Heisman Trophy? There are a lot of good ones. Getting people throwing at me. John Elway, Peyton Manning when I put it on social media today. How about Michael Vick, Andrew Luck? I think what's going to put Trevor ahead of all those guys, well, what was your biggest win when you were in school? And Trevor's got them all beat. He won a national championship. At least that group that I mentioned. There are others, other great quarterbacks that didn't win the Heisman that won a national title game, but not only did Trevor win the national championship, in Santa Clara, back in 2019, they beat Saban. They beat a team that was favored against an unbeaten Clemson team. That's how good Alabama was. And beat a quarterback that I think also belongs on the short list here of great quarterbacks who never won a Heisman, and Tua. Nobody beat Saban that way in any game let alone the national title game. They won by 28 that day, and Trevor was tremendous. Then when you look at, say, Deshaun Watson, another guy probably should have won the Heisman, would have won it if it was given out after the year rather than Lamar Jackson, beat Alabama in his final college game. When you just stack his career side-by-side side with Trevor, it's clear that Trevor's resume is better. Statistically, they both have thrown 90 college touchdowns. Trevor did so in less games. Trevor had 15 fewer interceptions. Trevor went to the playoff all three seasons 
and only lost two games in his career, both of which were in the playoff. That's absolutely unconscious when you think about a great college quarterback. Then there was another name that came to mind, maybe Vince Young. See, he won the national title. He was in the Heisman discussion with Liner and Bush in 2005. Greatest college game ever as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, he was a three-year project. It's okay that for some guys it takes longer to develop. His first two years, 18 touchdowns, 18 picks before he had the magical unbeaten run with Texas in 2005. Trevor Lawrence, I think there's a real argument you can make that years down the line, he's going to be remembered as the greatest college quarterback to never win the Heisman Trophy. Because the other piece that happens off the field, if it wasn't for Trevor's voice, along with his good friend Darian Rencher, last summer, I don't know if we have a college year. I don't know if we have a college football season. I I think Trevor played a significant role in us just getting to the starting point a year ago. That's not going to be forgotten like much of 2020. This morning on the ACC Network, I was watching Packer and Durham, and I was also later on the network watching Trevor Lawrence's throw day, as they called it. So I want to get into Trevor's legacy with the man we watched on Packer and Durham, Wes Durham now joining us, both Trevor and Wes from Cartersville, Georgia. Or uh, he more than me. That's right. He more and than And my you. wife more than him, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, there are more similarities between Wes and Trevor, I'm sure. I bet they both have <laughs> wicked arms and can throw it all over the yard. Mm-hmm, but I sure. want to start with uh, basketball, and I actually want to start with the women's game. Sure. How about Jen Hoover's Demon Deacons trying to make history? Wes, how good of a shot do they have of making the tournament for the first time since 88? You know, Josh, and according to Charlie Cream, who does the bracketology on the women's card for ESPN.com, he says nine teams in the ACC would go, and I guess Wake's one of them. So, you know, good for her. She's She's been fantastic to, obviously, our program for sure, and uh, we've really enjoyed talking to her and her players. Gina Conti, in particular, was a lot of fun to visit with, who uh, I think had senior night last night. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm excited about women's basketball. I think it's had a really good year. Obviously, Louisville and NC State are the, you know, are the premier teams in the league. And Syracuse took a tough loss last night at Florida State. But Jen's done a remarkable job. And I, I think it also shows, too, that, you know, we get caught up in you and I've talked about, you know, the patience factor that has to be really kind of implemented across college athletics, in all honesty. Uh, because you just can't flip the switch. And, Kenny Brooks talked about it extensively last year when it looked like Virginia Tech was going to go to the NCAA tournament before the tournament got shut down. And I, I enjoyed that visit with him because he really was candid about what it takes and how the patience factor works and how players have to understand they're, they're part of a building block, maybe not part of the final result sometimes. And I think Ivana Ratza, Jewel Spears obviously had moments this year where she's been fantastic for the Deacons. And then Certainly, Gina has been, you know, a four-year player who's done a lot for uh, for that program. It'd be a nice reward for the building process, though, that Jen has done there. I'm glad sure. you bring up patience, mm. Virginia Tech, and uh-huh. while we're talking about Wake basketball, we have Steve Forbes coming on the show today. Oh, do and, you? Yeah. And one thing I'm interested in, you see where that place was the moment that Mike Young took the job in Blacksburg. Right. Right. Terry Blackshear, he uh, he tra- transfers elsewhere. Yeah, we haven't you heard know. from him since, so yeah. go ahead. <laughs> and, and, and he wasn't the only one to transfer out. And Correct. a lot of people bailed on Mike Young from the jump of that year. Mm-hmm. They they overperformed, in our opinion, at, yep. the, uh, at the start of that season. And then, you know, they finished right about where you thought they might back end of the ACC before this year. Being one of the two or three best teams in the league, depending on how you do accounting, you look at uh, Virginia Tech, Mike Young, I think he's a runaway ACC Coach of the Year. Sure. And I see a lot of similarities, potentially, between the way he's turned around Tech with the transfers he's brought in and coming from the SOCON and what's possible, let's say, with Steve Forbes. It isn't to say 
that Coach Forbes year two is going to get Wake Forest to the NCAA tournament. However, I do think if you're a Deacon fan, you can't help but look at what Virginia Tech's done this year and wonder what's possible, right? No question. And I think you're 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 spot on in saying that if you have the patience and understand, and again, you know, Coach Forbes has instilled some tangible values. The productive values are one thing, the tangible values are the other. Okay. The productive values are obviously winning. The productive values are recruiting at a higher level. Uh, you're getting, you know, whatever, four or five star, six star guys, as I like to say. Um, I, I think all that counts, but I think the, the stuff that you can build on are like hard work, effort, accountability, loyalty, uh, all the idities, as you know, I, I say sometimes to people, because those are the things, responsibility, those are the things that are the culture of programs. And when you hear coaches talk about culture, it's usually the accountability, the hard work, the ethic, the understanding of this is the way we're going to do it type deal as opposed to, you know, the recruiting, the scheduling, you know, that type thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I think he's done the, the stuff that you have to have in order to be long-term successful and good for him. I think the other thing that benefits him, and I'm certainly not dismissing anybody else that's been a coach there, I think the fact he's been a coach at a lot of places and a lot of levels is probably really paying off for Wake Forest. I think the fact he understands kind of how all this works and how it works in junior college ranks and who he can get and who he can't get and who to trust and who you don't trust uh, or where to take the risk reward. Um, and I think there's some value to that too. And John Curry gets a lot of credit for that, I think, in identifying Steve as somebody who he knew could process the uniqueness that's Wake Forest. Not it's long, not just identifying it though, Wes. I think Wake took a risk that other schools, Boston College, some thought that they were going to get rid of Jim Christian. They decided to keep him. It would have been less expensive to get rid of Jim at that spot than, say, Danny Manning was, mm -hmm. we think. And usually in the power conferences, you talk about the Power Five, and we'll add the A-10, the American, and the Big East to that in basketball. Okay. You're talking about 100 programs. Mm -hmm. Usually there are 8 to 10 openings per year, and right. last year there was only one, and it mm -hmm. was Wake Forest. They took the plunge. And I can't help but think Wake Forest got a better coach than they probably would have been able to get if other openings happened that did not because of the pandemic. What do you think? I agree. I think there's some validity to that. Absolutely. I, th I think the other thing, too, Josh, that keeps coming back to me is they knew, and again, this credit goes to John, um, he knew the fit. Having worked there before with Ron, understanding Wake Forest and, you know, kind of the pieces with you know, Dr. Hatch and things like that, he knew what the what the fit had to be. And I'm sure that when he talked to Steve and when he talked to other people, that was, that was a critical part of the conversation. You have to be able to understand the spot to build from, okay? For instance, let, let's think about use the house. We use the house analogy a lot, right? In sports, it's funny how we talk about building and, you know, adding and foundations, the foundations and expansions yes. and all. Okay. Well, what good is building the house if you don't build it at the right spot? Okay. <laughs> so every school in the league has a spot, right? It's like a lot in the subdivision, right? Mm -hmm. Now, does every lot in the subdivision cost the same? Absolutely not. Right? We talk about like, I'm, I'm a big fan of saying, you know, somebody lives in a certain part of the subdivision. That doesn't mean they live at the back of the subdivision where the houses are bigger. They are in the subdivision, right? I use it a lot in conferences because there are a lot of schools in the ACC. There are 15 of them. Does everybody have the same size house? Absolutely not. Does that mean some houses are worth more than others? Yes. But if you know your house and you know where it's built, then the value of that for, in this case, Wake Forest will be significant. I'll give you the football example. And I've had this discussion with several people who are contributors to Wake Forest. Dave Clawson, remember now, it came down when Ron Wilman hired Dave Clawson, it was down to two people. It was Dave Clawson and Pete Limbo. Yep. One of those two guys was going to get the job. Now, I know Pete Limbo very well. He used to be the head coach at Elon. We've been friends since he was the coach at Elon. Now with Shane Beamer at South Carolina, special teams and the associate head coach. Either guy would have been a great hire at Wake Forest. Turned out they hired Dave Clawson. Ron Wellman made that decision, 
And at the end of the day, that decision has paid off. Do you know why Dave Clawson was a great fit? Because he had been at Richmond. He had been at Bowling Green. He had been at Tennessee. He had been at all these other stops. Fordham. Fordham. Steve Forbes, same thing. All these other stops, whether it be Wichita State, Tennessee, uh, you know, Florida, Northwest Florida State Junior College and Boondoggle. You know, all these different elements, I think, has helped Steve Forbes. Jim Christian was a, a, a basketball coach at Ohio who had been fired at TCU. I think Jim Christian's a good basketball coach. I'm not sure Boston College gave Jim Christian the right house in the subdivision. How's that? That's really good. West Durham with us here. He's on Twitter at West Durham. Watch him on Packer and Durham in the mornings, Monday through Friday. So let's talk Trevor Lawrence. Sure. Gosh, what a great throw to finish things out this morning as a Tiger. Everybody looks great in shorts. I get it, but man. No, no. The funny thing is we went through this, and everybody's saying he looked great. Well, no kidding he looked great. (laughs) He's been the best player in college football from a quarterback perspective, really for the last two and a half years. I think he's going to be remembered as the greatest quarterback to never win a Heisman Trophy. Now, I know there are a lot of them. But there aren't many that were Heisman finalists that also held up a national championship trophy. And I'd take Trevor over Deshaun just because of the Clemson resume side by okay. side and over Vince and over Tua, who he beat in Santa Clara 44-16. to Sure. Do you think that's kind of, if we try to think about years from now when we look back at Trevor's resume, that's kind of how he's going to be remembered? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think there's a real, there's a real honest to goodness discussion that can be had about him being one of the best quarterbacks. I Peyton Manning would probably also go there. Yes. He didn't win a national championship. Elway, Andrew Locke. Right. They none, they, none of those guys won it. Um, I think I heard you say this. I, I think one of the things that he's going to be best remembered for is he absolutely is going to be the quarterback that destroyed Nick Saban in a national championship game. Yeah, and I don't they'll, remember they'll anyone ever doing a, it. Well, a 28-point loss in a national championship game, and you know as well as I do that the lead-up to that game was that Clemson was going to be the sacrificial lamb for the greatest football team since Nirvana. Right? <laughs> Paul! I mean, it was going to be... I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and A.J. Terrell had the pick six on the third play of the game, and you could have sucked the oxygen out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Were you there? No. Okay. No, no. But yeah. I, I would I would say that when you think about it from that perspective, he's got a lot to build on. And, look, his pro experience could be great. It could be average. It could be, you know, make a lot of money, keep your health and faculties about you, and 10, 15 years from now, shut it down at 37, 38 years old. But he's going to be remembered as one of the best college quarterbacks of all time, and if you put him in the in the you know that that pantheon of Luck and Elway and Peyton Manning and others, that's not a bad company to run with, to be honest with you. Then the social commentary piece of it as well, where oh yeah yeah last his, summer his impact, he saved the season. Well, I would agree with that. I, I think he and and Darian Rencher and his friendship is is pretty strong and. I think both not only from the from the college football uh, integrity piece, but I think also the voice of young people at a time when America, you know, was rallying to that voice of social justice and racial equity in this country. I, I think Trevor Lawrence will be certainly part of that from a collegiate athletic standpoint. You're sure. going to be in the call somewhere tomorrow. Uh, no, my game got postponed tomorrow. Okay, that was your game tomorrow. I have uh, I had Virginia Tech Louisville at noon, and I will have Miami Notre Dame Sunday night at six o'clock, and then I got the Deacons in a couple weeks well, at Pittsburgh. Well, as so. Roy as Roy Williams said this morning, just enjoy yourself a sausage biscuit and watch he's the basketball the this weekend. He's, abs- he's absolutely the best now. <laughs> I'm telling you, you you might that, be the best, my friend. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh-huh. That that quote though is just that's absolutely Spruce Pine, North Carolina, right there. Don't boys, take yeah. everything so literally, everybody. That's Wes, it. I appreciate you, it. you, buddy. Good to hear from you. See you, Josh. Be well. Yeah, Take care. Too. That is West Durham. Giving my best to uh, Clifford the Cat as well in Cartersville. Often, I think we talk too much on subjects. So, when it comes to the ACC Big Four, we'll do less. Isn't that the expression, Sawyer? Do less? Do less. 
The way we do less is by keeping it simple. And we'll do that next. I'm often alarmed by how young Sawyer Dillon is. He does not know the words to Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy, which is how we close each and every one of our shows each week. So we'll teach him the words on today's show. Also, yesterday he made fun of me when I misspoke, which happens when you do a four-hour radio show. Rather than trying to have my back when I accidentally said Jeezy's instead of Yeezy's, he just jumps in there with Jeezy's really helpful but what's alarming about that entire exchange is that you did not know anything about young Jeezy which I think is far more embarrassing and our mutual friend BDOT even feels the same way on IG live last night he said it's far more embarrassing to not know young Jeezy than to misspeak on the radio and say Jeezy's when you clearly know what Yeezy's are and know who Yeezy is I just don't think it's embarrassing. Like, I know, like, his hits. I don't really know. I mean, I knew that he You existed. pulled them up. You said, uh, what is it, Fearless? I'm like, no, that's the Taylor Swift re-recorded album that she dropped last night. I'm gonna Actually, she okay, only dropped Love talking, Story. I got to see his top three songs, and if I know two out of the three, that's knowing him. Because I said in it, I said, I think there's a Jeezy and a Jay-Z. So I knew he was yes. a rapper. But when you say, I know there's a Jeezy or a Jay-Z, it makes me wonder if you know who Jay-Z is. Oh, my gosh. This guy. Okay, he really only has put on. This guy's not a he's Are a, you he's kidding a rapper. Me? He's not huge. 336-777-1600. Is Jeezy huge? No. I can name more rappers than you. This is just one. You, you caught me slacking on this one rapper. You know put on. I know put on. Do you know Soul Survivor? I think. I'm looking at it, and I don't want to play it, and it go over all the airways, but I think I know what it is. You can't play Soul Survivor over the air. Who's the other artist that is prominently known in the song Soul Survivor? No idea. Then you don't know what Soul Survivor is. If I heard it, I've probably heard it and can maybe even sing the chorus. Do you know Go Getta? No. Wait, who's the other artist in the song? Nobody else is in Go Getta. Nice no, try, the, though. The Soul Survivor song. Actually, I think I think Go Getta actually has R. Kelly, so I take that back. <laughs> Trying to act like the uh, R. Kelly stuff didn't happen. Soul Survivor? What, who's the other artist? Oh, God, this would make me really sad if you don't know who I'm about to say. Do you know who Akon is? Okay, I, of course I know who Akon is. Okay, good, good. I'm good. telling you, I He's know every Soul rapper. You literally we'll, we'll keep it simple. One. We'll keep it simple in a second. Get to ACC basketball. We'll get to the Hornets. I just think this is really important. Do you know my president is black? That's by Jeezy. No, of course not. I don't know Jeezy songs. Okay. I know Put It On and okay. Maybe Soul Survivor. You, you gave me one artist I don't know. That's one. fair. That's fair, I guess. But that's a pretty egregious one not to know. No. Let's keep it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. Okay, this is how we play. Sawyer, you're just going to throw different teams and topics at me. Usually we get into the ACC Big Four, but it's usually not excluding... It's not just a... There there are other things we can get into as well is what I mean to say. It's not exclusive to the ACC. So where are we starting? Josh, let's start with none other than Roy Williams, Carolina Tar Heels. Five words or less on the Tar Heels. I so badly want to say, let's go eat a sausage biscuit. But that is six words. So instead I'll say... No parties after tomorrow's game. Who boy. Who boy is right. The Who's. I think they're going to take it to the Tar Heels tomorrow. I don't think there's going to be much drama in that game. And what they are making ESPN's showcase game, their blockbuster game, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. That's what I got for the Tar Heels. No parties after tomorrow's game. I think it's going to be a Virginia win. 
Next up, uh, five words or less, the Duke Blue Devils. This is easy. Not an NCAA tournament team. Plain and simple. I'm out on them now. If they would have beaten uh, Notre Dame, I would have felt differently. I would have felt like they had a shot moving forward. See, you can have separate ideas. Multiple things can be true, even though they sound like they contradict each other. And even though I believe Duke not having a second half of its non-conference is the primary reason they are where they currently are at, I don't disagree with Kay's decision to allow for kids to go home for Christmas. See, you can hold both those thoughts. This is why they're there. If they had three more wins, even if they lost the rest of the games they, they would have lost otherwise, or they've lost so far, they still would be over 500. They probably would get the benefit of the doubt. They'd have more games. I think they'd win some of the games that they lost that were close because they'd have more experience, more chemistry on the floor. But I can't say it's a bad decision because Coach K knows his team better than we do. And he felt it was right to send those kids home for Christmas. I'm not going to say that was a wrong choice. Next up, the Pack of NC State. Desperately missing their best player. Got to make sure to throw the desperately piece in there. Because, goodness, they play Duke tomorrow. There's no drama at all in what's going to happen tomorrow, really. I hope it's a good game. I'm going to be watching, but it's an example of a game that I would look forward to regardless of where I of what I do for a living. I would be interested in that game. Not tomorrow. That's a game I'm watching because I get paid to talk about these games on the air. And I'm willing to admit that. Lastly, Steve Forbes's Wake Forest Demon Deacons. You don't have anything other than ACC Big Four basketball? I uh, maybe got one more thing. Okay. Actually. Wake Forest, Steve Forbes going to be on the show today. How about this? Finally back on schedule. I really do feel like those eight days between the loss to Notre Dame and the win against Boston College, absolutely essential. After tomorrow's game, which feels like it's going to be a loss, I really do see a lot of games Wake Forest could win. They've won three games in conference play so far. I think they could double that in the next month or so. I really think that's possible, and I'll tell you why a little bit later on. But there you go. Keeping it simple. I don't want to gas bag it way too much here. Finally back on schedule, Wake Basketball. Give me one more thing. Something random. Uh, earlier today, Justin Timberlake puts out a two-page apology to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. Five words. Keep it simple. Is Britney Spears still a thing? Damn it. That's, that's six. That's, that's six. six. Is Britney still a thing? Yes. Britney's like the headlines right now. Why? Uh, I don't know. I'm genuinely asking. Is there a Netflix something that I don't a, know about? Hulu documentary that came out, and everyone's trying to like get her, you know, away from her father. So that's why everybody's talking about yeah, her. That's why there I'm really confused. I am com when I'm not hosting this show. This is honesty. I'm not really plugged in as much as you might think. I'm plugged into sports. I'm watching the games I have to watch. But I'll tell you what, I'm not watching. I'm not watching the impeachment hearings. You know, there are people that report on those things and do a great job at it. If I want to check in on that, I can. I'm not watching those things live. And on top of that, I'm not watching... I'm not keeping up to date with Britney Spears. I only got so many hours in my deck. So there you go. Oh, throw me something football-related. There's football in the news today. Trevor Lawrence Pro Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tre <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the same thing I told Wes. Everybody looks good in shorts. That's that's five. <laughs> Boom! And that is, keep it simple. Everybody does look good in shorts, man. Got to remember that. <laughs> Don't fall in love with players based on what they do in shorts. Because everybody looks good in shorts when they're being covered and rushed by air. <laughs> yeah, where's the pass rush? It's air. Josh, would you look good, though, in shorts covered by air? You're damn right I would. I got an arm, man, just like West Durham has. 
Let's shift things to the Charlotte Hornets tonight. They got the Minnesota Timberwolves. You can listen to the game right here on Sports Up Triad. Ooh, got some news right now in on this. The Martins. Shouts to Davie County. They will not be playing tonight due to health and safety protocols. Cody and Caleb Martin, this is according to Rick Bennell. I do feel this way. The Hornets, they need to start going on a run tonight. They're two games under 500, still firmly in the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. I shouldn't say firmly because they're only two games up on the team that's currently 12th in the Eastern Conference standing, so there's a log jam there. And don't look now, we're over a third into the 72-game regular season. Playoff teams don't lose games like tonight. The T-Wolves, they're a disaster right now. They don't know who's going to be playing night to night. They're 6-19. and 19. The game's in Charlotte. Their next five are in Charlotte. They should win four out of their next five games. There I said it. You look at the schedule. Four of their next five games, they've got the T-Wolves, the Spurs, the Bulls, the Nuggets, the Warriors. None of those teams are top five in their conference. None of them. Why are you raising your eyebrow at me? Who is? It just surprised me that the Nuggets and the Warriors, not a single one, cracks the top five. Yeah, I think the Warriors are eighth. I think they're in the final, eighth and final playoff spot if the season ended today in the West. And then it's more important that they win it right now, Sawyer, because they close the first half of their schedule before the All-Star break with a six-game West Coast road trip. Yeah, that means you have to go on the road and you got Utah, who's been awesome, you go to the Suns. You go to the Trailblazers. You go through uh, to the Kings. You got the Warriors again. So the Hornets, they need to start taking care of business. Because if they let games slip, if they finish with an under 500 record in the next five games, I don't know if this is going to be a playoff team. Playoff teams, they win games like tonight. And you could listen to it on Sports Up Triad. And, and, and they win at least three of the next five games. We'll see how it goes. Let's go Hornets. You are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, W. We'll get back to college hoops in about 15 minutes. Actually, you know what? I want to start with some college hoops right now with Darren Vaught before we get to the movie game. He's going to be on the call at 6 o'clock for High Point Basketball. Last night they were in action as well. It's, a, it's two games and two nights against Charleston Southern. So watch Darren and BG at 6 o'clock. High Point a winner, 77-73. Darren... How many points did Tubby's Club put up in the second half? They had 55 second-half points. Double nickel! Now, now, bear in mind, Charleston Southern has not defeated a Division I opponent this season. They are now 1-16. They've lost 16 straight against Division I opponents. And High Point was on the verge of being that first Division I win at halftime. They trailed by 13. They got down by as many as 17. But 55 second-half points. They led when it was 4-2 to two in the early going and didn't lead again until just three minutes remaining. They led 73-72. to 72. <laughs> That's wild. I look at the classifications that were announced today, the new minor league formats, and you have in the high A East, Winston-Salem in the same division as the Greensboro Grasshoppers, which we knew was going to happen. Looking elsewhere, though, pretty cool that... The Wilmington Blue Rocks are in that same affiliation grouping. The Hickory Crawdads included in that as well. What did you think of the Winston-Salem Dash and Greensboro Grasshoppers draw here? Well, I think, A, in general, the contraction and the, the restructuring is something that no one should have been shocked by today, right? Like, this has been in the news cycle. It's been percolating for over a year at this point. But... There's some silver lining here. So some people just like to, to bash this because they, they like minor league baseball, but you're speaking to one of those silver linings is that we get the chance to recreate local rivalries when it comes to minor league baseball. And, if, yeah, I, I see people lamenting league names. I don't care as much about that. It's going to give minor league baseball a chance to market some of those, just like in the NHL we've seen the divisions for this season have sponsors attached to them. I mean, uh, the NBA is the G League, for God's sake. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can sell those things. 
there's plenty of room for it. It, it. If you don't let it, it shouldn't bother you, and it's going to give these leagues and teams a chance to make a little bit more money at no expense to you, uh, other than not being able to refer to the International League anymore or whatever you're particularly nostalgic yeah. about. Uh, but I like it. I, I think especially in the case of Winston-Salem and Greensboro, that's awesome that they're going to be playing in the same league and they're, uh, they're going to play often. For the first time in forever, that's happening on Twitter at Darren Vaught. Watch of the night with BG on the call for High Point Charleston Southern. It's a 6 o'clock tip. But we have a game to get to right now. It's called The Movie Game. Let's kick it off. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. It's time for some kind of movie game. All right, all right, all right. With Josh Graham and Darren Vaught. I'll break, it, I'll break it down really quickly here. Since Robert's out, Sawyer's the one coming up with the movies. He's going to be officiating things in a second. Me and Darren, we're going to try and guess the Rotten Tomatoes score for three movies. I don't know what the theme is. Sawyer's going to tell us what that is in a second. Me and Darren's got to try and guess what it is out of 0 to 100. However many points we're off by, that's our score. Through three movies, whoever has the lowest combined score will be the winner unless it's separated by less, 10 points or less, which means we'll go into a decisive final golden movie. That's pretty much how it goes. Sawyer, what's the theme this week? In honor of Trevor Lawrence's Pro Day, the theme is around tigers. Ah, I like it. Nice, nice. All right, so what is the first movie we're going to try and guess the Rotten Tomatoes score for? The very first movie, Ice Age came out, I think, in 2002, Mm -hmm. but it went on to make five different movies. I want you guys to guess the fourth Ice Age collision course. What is collision course? I don't know. I've watched the first Ice Age. I barely remember it. You're going to choose obscure Ice Age movies? Yep. What? This was the movie that focused on Diego the Tiger and his split from the main group to the new villain group. So you're going to have to figure out what the audience would give this movie. All right. Now, you saved yourself with the Diego distinction. If this is the one that's like his origin story or, yeah. or whatever. Okay. That makes that, sense. That, that makes sense. That makes sense, I guess. Uh... It can't be good. Okay. I'm going to guess 57%. That's my guess. Darren Vaught. I had 48. What is the Rotten Tomato score for whatever the name of this Ice Age <laughs> spawn child is? What is it? Collision course? What's it? What's the score for it? 39%. Okay. So we're not I that good far about off. It. So, so far, Darren has the early lead on me by about eight percentage points. What is the second movie? The second movie, the original, first of its kind, The Hangover, which I think there was a tiger that was in their hotel room. That's right. So It was Mike, Mike Tyson's, Mike Tyson's tiger. tiger, yeah. See, I'm glad you bring up The Hangover because... I, I miss going to movie theaters, and a good example why is that big reveal. You, I was in the theater watching it when it happened, when it first came out, and when Tyson pops up and then punches Ed Helms in the face, it is, or excuse me, punches Zach in the face, Zach Galifianakis, it is a truly theater pop moment where everybody just goes nuts because you did not see when you... You didn't think when you were going to walk into the theater that day, Mike Tyson was going to punch Zach Galifianakis in the face. Well, yeah, my favorite plays. Tyson moment, by the way, in that franchise, I can't remember if it's the first or the second hangover, is when he he, he air drums to the Phil Collins in the air tonight solo. Yeah, that's the first one. All right, I got also, a score written down here. I do too. 91%. I think audiences love the first hangover. I'm trying not to ride these these highs and lows, so I went with 83. Try not to aim so high when I think it's high. I'm shooting for the sun, man. Got to make up some of the scoring here. What is the score for the initial hangover? The initial hangover came in with an 84 percent. Whoa! <laughs> Aaron is smoking the field right now. 
Okay, going into the final movie, how many points do I have to make up, Sawyer? How many points does Darren have combined? Josh has or uh, Josh has 25 and Darren has 10, a 15-point margin. Okay, so I need to make up five here. That's still that's still doable. What's the final movie? The final movie, Rocky Three, with the famous <laughs> Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> I don't like Rocky Three much. Love Rocky, the original Rocky and Rocky Four. Two's all right. Three, not a big fan of. But yeah, Eye of the Tiger. Three's in contention for the best to me. You think? Clubber Lang. Yeah, you got Clubber Lang. I like Drago. Hmm. Rocky Three. Rocky Three. Okay. I got a score written down. As do I. I'm going to go with. A 69%. All right. Okay. There's a chance here because I went with 82. My original thought was to go 77. I decided to go lower because I thought Darren would be right around that sweet spot and I have to make up five points here. So let's see if it paid off for me. Sawyer, what's the score? Rocky 3 came in at 74%. If I would have done it. If I would have done 74 or 77, oh, what, what, did I make up enough ground? The score was 30 to 18. Josh falls short by two points. Darren's the winner of the movie game. There There will be no golden movie. Take this moment of Zim wherever you might want to take it, Darren. I, uh... I was doing prior to you guys calling some last-minute prep on this this high-point basketball game. And, uh, again, to reiterate, 55 points in the second half. It was a lot of fun, as it always is, with Brian Geisinger. But it got me to thinking about some of the highest-scoring halves in college basketball. Or I I mainly was looking to see if it was the highest-scoring that Tubby had ever had. It's certainly the highest-scoring in his high-point tenure. Did you guys know that in 95-96... Rick Pitino, this isn't really a moment of zen as much as it is like a fun fact. In the 95-96 season, a Rick Pitino-led Kentucky team had 86 points once in the first half. Dear Lord. Blew me away. I did not expect to see that number. So there you go. That's your your, your fun fact. I remember watching East Carolina drop 61 in the the Smith Center at uh, the second half against Carolina and still lost the game. I think they lost the game by six. About a decade ago. <laughs> Kentucky did not lose this game. Yeah, I, I don't even not. remember the opponent, but they obliterated whomever it was. <laughs> Tell BG we said hi. Have a great call tonight, Darren. Will do. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's Darren Vaught on Twitter at Darren Vaught, host of the Tubby Smith Show. Great podcast there. Voice of the High Point Panthers, USA Baseball podcast. He does quite a bit. Appreciate him squeezing in time. Less than 90 minutes out from tip-off over there in the HP. Coming up, though, the words double standard are two words that have intensified the Duke-Carolina rivalry before, like way back, like 35 years ago back. I'll tell you why today, it's still pretty evident those words apply, just for totally different reasons. Next.